Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We're glad that you could join us today. We are looking at lesson number eight, Mission to the Needy, an exciting lesson, and we're going to learn some exciting things today. But before we do, let's begin with prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us to learn how we can better minister to those who are in need. We ask that you'll bless us today and give us challenges that we can come up to so that we can be more effective for you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, joining us this week and next week is Cliff Shamiradine. He is the director for the Center for South Asian Religions, and we're delighted to have him with us for these two lessons. Cliff, thanks for joining us. Thank you. So this is an exciting couple of lessons. We're going to be looking at reaching the needy this time, and then next time those who are much more well-off. And you are the director for the Center for South Asian Religions. I'm guessing that in South Asia... There are some needy and there are some very affluent people. That's correct. So these two groups, kind of on the outer edges, are, are not where we'll say the majority of folk fall. The majority of folk, at least the way we frequently see it, are kind of in the middle. And, and yet we have to reach out to these two, maybe we call them extremes. I don't know if that's the best, uh, best word to use or not. But when we're talking about the mission to the needy, reaching the needy, there are some there's some counsel that we give that we've been given of course Jesus talks about the importance of reaching the needy and also in a book called Testimonies for the Church in volume 2 page 29 there's some powerful words about the importance of reaching the needy what about the reaching the needy why is that important and what counsel do we get thank you very much eric it's such a blessing to be here with you when when we see the world um, the world is viewed differently depending on who you are. But we understand that Jesus says the needy will be with us forever. Mm. And I think that's a powerful statement because it shows that Jesus really cares. Um, Ellen White, who many of us uh, understand her writings and the role that she has played in the, the Adventist church, has actually talked about it, the needy. She, she counseled that we should take time to pay attention to those who are in need. Now, we understand also that when we mention the word needy, the first thing that comes to mind is someone who is struggling to, to pay the bills, you know, to, to get by from one week to the next, from one paycheck to the next, as we would say in, in many countries. But it, it's much more than, than that. I think even Jesus knew that, and he taught us that the needy are not necessarily those who are struggling to, you know, to have food on the table, but those people who are also in need of, of support, of mental challenges, and, and the list is long. When we start looking at the needy, we could expand our definition. But I think Ellen White is actually saying to us, Adventists and Christian at large, that we need to actually focus and look into those people who are outside of our circle, um, who may look like they may not have any needs, but they actually do. They actually need of something. They may need of love. So you got a lot of people who don't fall into that, that nice category that we might mentally picture. That's correct. But there's a lot of people out there who are in need and he calls us, God calls us to reach out to them. When you look at people who are in need and the broader definition of that, 
What about us reaching them? How do we? How can we help them to realize? Do some of them realize they have need? Do some of them not realize that they have need? If they realize they have need, that's one thing. But if they don't realize that they have need and they still have need, that's another thing entirely. What about reaching these groups of people who may or may not understand their need? Eric, I think you touched on a very, very important point, especially in the 21st century where we have access to education, we have access to jobs and other things that, that tends to show that we are, have some sort of status in society. How do we engage people who may say, well, I don't have any need, I'm doing okay. But as, as God has given us uh, wisdom and intuition, we can, we can see that because we are blessed to have Scripture on our side where we could see that people may have a struggle but uh, hard to admit that. How do we how do we engage them? Well, sometimes the some of the approaches we have used actually uh, inoculate people. They become more defensive, and so so Jesus has shown us much more model. His um, the model that Ellen White talks about, Christ method. It's one example of how we can engage people, having compassion, showing friendship that we care as you as a person rather than trying to zero in on what your needs are. So I think that's one way to begin, is to show that we do care about you. So you mentioned Christ's method, and that's a, a quote that we hear with some regularity. Christ's method alone will bring true success in reaching the people. Could you unpack that for us a little bit? You kind of, you kind of do that in Monday's lesson, or you start to do that in Monday's lesson. Help us to understand how Jesus reached out to people, the model that he gave us, and how we might follow that model to to reach you know, success in in these individuals. What was his model? What was Christ's method alone? And and what does that look like practically in our lives? It's with, with our zeal and and energy. We tend to focus on the the last one of the the list that we have, and that is to bid people to follow Jesus, which is we 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 ought to do, and we should do it always. The question is that when we go into that one first, what we have, people who are in need, they, they're going to gravitate. They're going to come to to us because they do have needs and they want to get help. I, th- I think it's a human um, intuition to be able to always gravitate to someone who can help. The problem is that when they come to us, um, the focus is not necessarily Jesus. Is to get help, and which is it's it's not a it's not a it's bad thing. Natural, it's natural. But Jesus taught us there's some others that we should focus on first. Mingle with people, show them, as I said before, that we care. Understanding that we can show sympathy, we can we can minister to the needs, and um, and then we can actually um, you know s- serve people. It's hard to serve people. Um, I I've done this many times. Um, where you go into a setting where you have you you, you don't belong, you know. Even as as I travel to to many parts of the world, and you go into what we call the slum area, it's it's difficult to be there. I mean, we we count the minutes. How long should we stay here? You know. But that's what it calls to mingle to people to show that you do care about them, and so Jesus challenges to be able to follow these these principle first. And when people see that, they see that, that you do care beyond trying to give them something that they would need only. I, 
Cliff, I want to read that, that quote that we've been referring to. It comes from Ministry of Healing, page 143. Uh, and here's what it says. It says, Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. And as you mentioned, that's the one that we frequently tend to focus on is the follow me portion. Yes. But the, the other parts, maybe not so much. Or sometimes we find uh, that individuals do a lot of ministering to people and mingling with them. Maybe they mingle a lot with people who have need, but they never, they never bid them to follow Jesus. Or, or maybe they, um, they do them good. They're, they're taking care of some of their physical needs, but never bridge to that spiritual part. So we miss opportunities when we only minister to the physical needs or the emotional needs uh, or the mental needs but not the spiritual, but we also miss out when we only minister to the spiritual, but not the physical, mental, and emotional. But Christ's method alone gives true success in reaching the people in in all of those ways. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15, there's a, a, a very powerful passage that helps us to understand how Jesus ministers to us, how he connects with us, whether we want to recognize it or not. We're needy. Uh, we are right. all needy yes. when it comes to, to Jesus. Um, talk a little bit about Hebrews 4.15 and how that fits into what we're talking about with the, mini- with the mission to the needy. D- depending on your translation, um, the words may, be, may vary, but the message is still the same. And so in the version that I have, it says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. I love that. I mean, God is our high priest. And he understands us more than we understand ourselves. And to the point that sometimes we we afraid to recognize we have needs or we're not even aware, as you have mentioned earlier, a group, how do we reach a group of people who may not recognize that they have need? But Jesus is saying, I do understand you. And so I understand the people that I've called you to witness to and their struggle. And also, I was tempted in every way that you could possibly t- be tempted. That's powerful. And so, so the, this reminds me of the golden rule. I think this is also is embedded in this text. That the way you like to be treated, treat someone who is in need. And so, and this is what Jesus has done on his earthly ministry. And so he's given us a, an example that we, a model that we can also implement. Um, Eric, I struggle with this one because, as you shared before, um, people can, um, if we don't give them the package, we have the tendency of, of putting one above the other, whether that we focus only on spiritual need, make a commitment. And we have many world religions today who are um, defensive when they see Christians because they only, they're going to come with number five, you know. Bid, you know, come tell me about Jesus, get me baptized, I'll become a member of your church, and then it's done. Many times people come into our church, we help them so that they would accept Jesus, and after they do, we forget they exist. The needs have not gone away because they need much more than that. And so we have this challenge today that we face. And so Jesus is saying, no, we should, we should care about people more than just mingle providing their needs, even when they join the church. They, they have to lose a career. They may have to give up family 
in the process? Do we re- help to replace that? We can replace the family, but we can substitute. Do we ever consider that? And these are important steps, even before they even get baptized. We have to follow these steps. So this, is a, this requires a commitment, not a short-term commitment, in order to reach a short-term goal, but a long-term commitment to, to genuinely care for the needs of individuals along this, this journey that they're on. Uh, that's and correct. that's really a significant, uh, significant point for us to understand. And we're going to continue talking about the mission to the needy here in just a moment. We're going to take a break. But before we do, I want to encourage you. This is lesson number eight of 13. So we are about halfway there, uh, maybe even a little bit more than halfway there on our journey. If you haven't yet picked up the companion book to this quarter's lesson, you are missing out you want to pick it up. It is called God's Mission, My Mission, and you can find that at itiswritten.shop. Just go to itiswritten.shop, look for the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath school lesson, God's Mission, My Mission. The author is Gary Krause. It's actually several authors who have uh, contributed to it. But you will be blessed by that. It will give you more ideas, more practical ways that you can apply what you are learning to this quarter and share your faith more effectively with others. But I'm going to come back here in just a moment with Cliff as we continue looking at the mission to the needy. Don't go away. We'll be right back. More and more people are watching It Is Written TV. They're watching their favorite It Is Written programs, listening to inspiring sermon series, and much more. They're watching them here here and even here. See for yourself why people are turning to It Is Written TV to watch their favorite Christian programs live and on demand. Watch It Is Written TV for free anytime on Roku, Apple TV and at itiswritten.tv. Welcome back to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. And we're here with Cliff. Cliff, talk with us a little bit about we're talking about the needy, mission to the needy, uh, including the poor, but even a little bit more broadly looking. What about what about people like uh, like refugees and immigrants? They they would certain there. There's a lot in the news today about refugees and immigrants. In fact, there has been for for a number of years. Um, I want to read a, a Bible passage to you and have you respond to it and give your thoughts on it. This is Matthew two, verses thirteen and fourteen. It says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. This, of course, is talking about when Jesus was was very young, a baby, and Joseph and Mary, and he went down into Egypt. We're talking about the needy. We're talking about the poor. We're talking about refugees. We're talking about immigrants. What about these verses? Um, I, I take comfort in this verse because I'm an Im- immigrant. So I understand a little as to what the verse is saying. But more than that, I was never a refugee. But you know what? Jesus was a refugee. He understood that. Yes, he was a, he was a baby. But I'm quite sure his parents would have told him stories. What was it like to, to flee? and to go to Egypt. And here we have Jesus, the Son of God, is being rescued 
by a nation that we could describe as an as an unchristian nation, a nation that is pagan, or a nation that is not subscribing to to the to the Bible and the teachings of God as we see it in Scripture. And we have a long history about Egypt, but they accommodated, they rescued the Son of God. What a powerful um, story in this text about Jesus being a refugee. So he himself was a refugee. We, we talk about him being in all points tempted like as we are, having to go through all the things that we've experienced. In fact, some things that many of us have never had to experience. That's right. But he experienced those things and was, was ministered to, uh, to some extent cared for down there. Um, eventually came back, certainly. So if we want to, if we're feeling called, feeling impressed to help someone who's in need, uh, what are some steps that we might take in identifying somebody who, who needs some ministry? And, and how, could we, how could we minister to them? We talked a little bit about Christ's method alone, but maybe expand on that just a little bit. How do we reach those individuals? I think we, we need to recognize that the same way that we have needs, God come and meet us where we are. We also need to do the same for people who are refugees, immigrants. And I would say the first step is to, uh, is to step aside our, put aside our political connections that we have. Um, the Bible is very clear on that. I have, as a minister of the gospel, it pains my heart to see when ministers and church, church members take a political stand um, when we are called to minister to people, regardless of who they are or their location or their, that's not our first priority. It's not even our second or third. God has called us to share the gospel with all people, just like how he has given us an opportunity to be saved. We need to do the same, follow the golden rule. So I would say that we need to put that aside and look at the, how we can minister to people. Um, we have Christ's method. We talked about that, mingling, you know, showing sympathy, winning confidence, ministering to their needs. These are, um, are steps that we cannot avoid or skip and so forth, and of course bid them to follow Jesus Christ and so that they can be saved in eternity. But beyond that, I think our, our expectation, or we can use the word assumption, we come to help someone and we have assumptions about who they are. I think we need to also evaluate those. Um, one of the assumptions is that if we help them, they can always become dependent on us. We need to put those aside because Jesus cares about them more than we do. And so we helped with the limits, the resources that we have. Do you know that Jesus gave us resources not only to take care of our family, but to help someone who is in need? If, if that wasn't one of our calling, we may not have those resources that we think that it belongs to us and no one else. Is That's one of the reasons, one of the steps, is to look at, we have resources, that's why God gives us that, so we can help someone in need, not only to be able to have a better life, but to find Jesus. So all of these steps help us learn at different ways that we can minister. And, and the first step, as you mentioned, is the Savior mingled with men. It may not feel comfortable for us Im immediately to mingle with groups of people that we don't feel naturally connected to. Uh, and yet, we have, a, I'll use the word obligation here, 
that sounds kind of weighty and negative if we're not careful. But it's an opportunity, it's a privilege to mingle with people who have different worldviews than we have, who have different beliefs than we have, who have different priorities than we have. And when we mingle with them, ultimately, hopefully, we'll have a better chance of of understanding them, of connecting with them, because the goal, by the grace of God, is to take the gospel to all the world. That's right. And that's what we're talking about. God's mission and my mission, they, they should be the same, is to take the message to all the world, which includes people other than people who are just like me. Yes. Uh, it includes uh, people who have different backgrounds, different social status, different mental capacities, different emotional uh, abilities. We've got to draw close to them first. If somebody was, was not quite sure how to connect with somebody who's a little different than they are, maybe a lot different than they are, what would you tell that person? What, 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 what should they do if they're kind of like, these people look different, they talk different, they, they dress different? How would you help them to overcome that little that barrier there to, to getting to know these, these other people or that other person? Those are legitimate fear. When we, when we see someone who may not speak our language or have a different... Um, you know, background, whether their skin color or they're coming from a different part of the world, and we, we become nervous because not nervous sometimes whether we should talk to them, but how can we relate to them? And sometimes we best, we just said, you know, we want to give people space, which is important. We give people space. But on the flip side of that, when someone is away from their homeland and the, and the family, let's use a simple example. We have a student coming from a country in, let's say, Nepal, and they come here, and they're studying in, in the place that we lived, and at university, and we see them, maybe they we could tell that they they don't, they weren't born in my community. Sometimes we are a little nervous, well, we just want to lift people, don't let them be relaxed, and that's, that's important, but at the same time, they may not be able to approach us, because they are a visitor. We, we're the one that has to approach them. And so, but where do we begin? Um, I could tell you of one example that we have done is that we, we noticed that there was this particular community, there was a lot of people who were moving in to, to build houses. And so what we did is we did something for the children. We organized a children party. Just, just that. Simple, we want to do something for you. We want to about give some flyers. They may not understand the language. It's okay. We just um, may even get a translator. And we did a simple thing because we wanted to show the children we care about them. They don't, they don't know where to go to school. They may not even have, um, you know, fill out the right application. They don't know who to talk to because they're new. And so a simple, simple things like that that you can do to show that you care. And once someone finds out that you care, um, you win their confidence. And you don't only win the confidence for short term, this is long term, for the entire life, they will always feel value, appreciative of what simple things you have done for that family. And because of that, we have the Adventist Church, we become the go-to people. Whenever they have a question and need, they may not necessarily need you to solve their problems, but they just want counsel, guidance, because they can trust you. So we'd love to have the opportunity to share Jesus with them at some point. 
because that's as Christians, that's what we've been called to do is to share Jesus. But it seems like an awfully big step if I don't know the person's culture, their language, to think, how am I going to share Jesus with them? But we don't have to start there. We start with just introducing ourselves. That's right. We start with just trying to find a way to communicate and, and be a friend to that person. In time, God will, will bring about the opportunity, if, if it's right for you to have that opportunity, to share Christ with them. But it may be a seed that you plant that someone else waters and that someone else harvests. What would you, when we're dealing with the uncertainty of, of, of a commitment from someone who's, who's poor and accepting Jesus and, and so forth, we're not sure what they're going to do with it. How do, we, how do we work forward? How do we walk forward in faith, trusting that God's going to continue helping move that forward? I think this this question has a few parts. Um, w- one of the things we have to remind ourselves, we're not just there to do social service. Um, I think that's important. It has its place. But it doesn't mean that that's all we do or we should do. Um, I, I think as a, as a church family, whether the entire church or, or a members of the church can, can evaluate their situation and say, we want to do something, we want to show Christ's love to people. If we go with the Bible, they may say, no, we're not interested, especially if they are coming from certain world religion. They say, we have our own scripture, we have our own belief system. No, thank you. Um, but if we go using Christ's method, people will be more open and so forth. The question is, um, we go with uncertainty because we're just human beings. We don't know what will be the end result. But one thing we can count on is that the impact we make on a person's life will actually open up more opportunities. A few things I want to share here. We need to have faith that God will use us to bless. Um, Also, we need to take action. We need to do something, not just share and tell people truth and words, but we need to actually put our action in, in s- different steps. And also, we need to have patience. We need to be patient with people because not everyone are the same. Some people need more time, some need less time. I've seen people make commitment to follow Jesus in three weeks. I've been involved in some of those evangelistic efforts myself. But what happens to those who didn't follow that formula? Do we just ignore them? Do we just say, well, you know, dust the feet off and just move on? No, we do need to care. We do need to also follow up with them and have, have a plan to follow up after. They may say no or they may show a sign that they're not interested in starting Bible studies. And then we need to have willingness to go beyond our own comfort zone. And I think this, these are some of the things that we can put in place when we are dealing with people who are not ready to make a commitment or we're not sure about their commitment. If we follow these steps and we leave the rest to God. Fantastic. Cliff, thank you so much for that. And thank you for joining us this week. We hope and trust and pray that you've gained something from this that will encourage and inspire you to reach out to the needy. We look forward to seeing you again next week as we continue our study about God's mission, my mission, And next week, we're going to be looking at reaching the affluent. God bless you, and we'll see you then next time on Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written.